Sam Linky graduated in 2010 in civil engineering and the history and philosophy of science. She is now the technical leader of transport modelling at the consulting firm Jacobs. She is currently focusing on pedestrian modelling and is also the vice president of the Institute of Transportation Engineers in Australia and New Zealand. She recently travelled overseas on an ITE, Australia and New Zealand, Worldwide Learning Opportunities Program, supported by Traffic, the transport survey company. We had a bit of a chat about the experience. Sam, thanks very much for your time. Hey, thank you. Very good to share the experience. So where did you go? So I travelled over to uh, Toronto uh, for the ITE annual meeting and exhibit in uh, July, August last year. Now you're the Vice President of the ITE here in Australia. So they're a, a worldwide professional body, um, roughly 15,000 people globally, largely in North America, and we have a section here in Australia and New Zealand headquartered out of Melbourne, which I'm Vice President of. Hmm. You joined a while ago? The ITE, yes. Hmm. Yeah, so I... Um, Throughout my career, I've been fortunate enough to, to spend a little bit of time working overseas. Um, I was in Malaysia for two years from 2013 to 2015. Uh, that was also my transition into the world of transport planning and, and transport generally. And upon my return to Melbourne, I joined the ITE mid-2015. What was your expectation? Did you see that? What would it do for you, did you think? Yeah, it's a good question. I think people um, affiliate themselves with these institutions and organisations for very different reasons. Uh, I um, came across them, we have a quite active membership here at Jacobs, some people who've been past presidents or are otherwise involved, and I attended some events sort of with them and events that were advertised that were of a particular technical interest to me, and very quickly I learned that it was a very quick way and a very effective way to build a network here in, in Melbourne. Um, and for someone who was coming back from overseas, that was really attractive initially because um, I was new into a sort of slightly different sector of, of transport and I really wanted to make connections and learn from people and I thought that this was a really effective way to, to do that. And give diversity, it's not just within a very small clique? Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, I suppose in a professional environment, you'll encounter uh, clients and colleagues in the, the little field that you that you work in and that you try and contribute in. But um, an organisation like ITE with quite a, a broad um, events calendar and a quite a broad uh, membership base was definitely a way to challenge thinking and to, to make sure that I was learning different things and challenging myself. So the conference you went to, this was their big uh, yearly uh, get-together? It is, yeah. yeah. So it's a yearly conference. Uh, it was combined with the, um, the Canadian district's annual meeting and then the the global annual meeting so there's a, a sort of annual meeting component of the conference which is around assessing sort of internal matters and the way that we'd like the ITE to run and progress and then there's a technical component of the conference um, which was again quite diverse spanning um, lots of hot topics which are not just sort of North American hot topics but really global hot topics in transport um, like autonomous vehicles um, sort of more user-centric design and modeling uh, safety uh, and a few other really key topics that we're talking about here a lot too. And I think you had some keynote speakers uh, that weren't necessarily just, if I may say, hardcore engineers. Yeah, so particularly um, challenging, I suppose, for a group of, of transportation engineers and planners and professionals was the closing plenary speaker, Brent Totteron, who famously uses the term plangineer to try and challenge that we should be planners and engineers and neither and, and both. Um, so that was a, a good perspective to try and help us move perhaps away from the term engineers and to be more a community of transportation professionals, um, as diverse as we can make it. And we also had a, a power lunch session from Professor John Leonard, who is an MIT um, specialist in autonomous vehicles and does a lot of work with Toyota Research Institute. 
and so also again a new a new very very informed but very engaging perspective on on autonomous vehicles and um, perhaps one that was a little bit more pessimistic than optimistic in terms of the timing which um, yes. was probably pretty refreshing uh, for, for again that audience who I think has spent a lot of energy looking forward. I've spoken to a lot of car companies where they were almost a utopia of what autonomous driving will mean it's not that simple. No no so I, I mean we, we had an hour an hour and a half um, so we, we obviously didn't cover everything but a lot of the examples that that Professor Leonard presented to us were um, about some of the subtleties of, of, of uh, introducing the technology um, day-to-day subtleties like um, how a vehicle will um, recognise, for example, a, a policeman directing traffic as opposed to someone in a blue outfit on the side of the road mm. waving at a friend. Um, so they were very real and very easily understood, I think, and, and relatable. Um, but technically, he was able to bring the sort of the knowledge that actually these are really difficult for us to try and build into mm. a software that, that needs to be as autonomous as, as, as it can be. There's also going to be a lot of traffic engineering, the whole notion if we share vehicles, where do they stop? Just those practicalities. Very much so, yes. Yeah, long t- curve to come. And um, we spent a bit of time in the conference talking about perhaps the challenges along the midpoints of that curve, so somewhere between now and something that is fully automated and a <laughs> system-wide. Um, so just the, the sort of caution we need to have as we move to some sort of hybrid or intermediate steps along the way. Was it a challenge to those who attended the conference, that sort of presentations? I think technically, I mean, it was an incredibly um, clever and experienced group of of attendees, so I think everyone was technically quite comfortable with the the content. Perhaps some of the discussion around... um, thinking like planners and thinking less like engineers is is a little bit confronting for people who have been working in engineering for a very long time. Um, It's not necessarily new, but uh, I I think it was... um, Some of the language was, and some of the discussion was was deliberately... Not controversial, but... um, but sort of pointed, I suppose, to try and prompt people to, to actually challenge the way that they'd been delivering work previously and think about sort of are we, are we making sure that we um, think about how we do things and that we continue to refresh that thinking rather than do things the same way for a long time. How we interact with planners has to be very specific in many ways. It can't be warm and fuzzy. It can't be, oh, yes, that's very nice, but, but really we've got to move traffic. It's got to be an interaction that produces interactive results. Yeah, yeah. So coming up with um, very integrated teams, I would have thought, is, is a really great way to do that. Um, but you're right, if it's, too, if it's too loose and too warm and fuzzy, then um, we, we probably don't... We, we, we sit in a meeting and we might share ideas and um, that all sounds very nice and then we'll just go our separate ways and continue to, <laughs> to do things the way we always have. So, yes, better integration and real integration um, with sort of enough framework around it that, uh, that, that things get done is really important. And so the ITE is reviewing where it's at and how it goes about things. Did you get some ideas from that? Yeah, very much so. It's a very live discussion. So we've recently voted um, to change some key elements of our constitution globally, um, and they are around moving in that direction of being more inclusive and less around a formal definition of transportation engineers and more around transportation professionals. And with that change naturally comes some some nervousness um, around whether loosening the definition of what is quite an esteemed organisation and and that people hold very dearly as their professional affiliation um, may lose its its meaning if it becomes too broad. 
Um, so I think they were very healthy discussions, um, but ultimately after the meeting, uh, the proposed amendments, which were to essentially change some key terms um, away from transport engineers and about transportation professionals in terms of defining who our members can be, um, were ultimately voted in and they've now been implemented. So we're very much moving in the right in the right direction, I think, um, but it is important that we don't do that too quickly and that we listen to the people who are nervous about that transition and we make sure that we protect the things that we need to to move forward with the right technical rigour. Do you think people are nervous because they feel that the acquired wisdom may be lost that rather than incorporated, that it has to be integrated? Is that a word they were particularly focused on? Yes, yeah, I think that's a, a good summary. Um, I, I suppose there's nervousness that perhaps the technical discipline, rigour and knowledge gets diluted. Um, and and I think engineering is quite uh, traditionally a very a very structured and a, a very logical um, discipline. And and the way that we define ourselves as engineers is 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 quite formal. And people don't want to, to lose that because, rightly so, people are very proud of, of, of the engineering um, world and discipline and, and process. So I, I think, yes, making sure that things are integrated and probably balanced is, is important too. Well, it's also a critical um, opportunity to make sure you are integrating with people who will have a big impact on the solution. The other issue is, is there a concern in ITE that governments and that are de-skilling a bit, that they're not keeping that wisdom going? Uh, that's a good question. I, I suppose it would be very diverse depending on the, the sort of the... the the background or the actual location of, of people that are coming together. So that, I wouldn't say that that was a, an emerging theme of the conference, but it is certainly something we need to um, to, to think about. And it, in Brent Totteran's speech, he did very much talk about um, the, the challenges in engaging with his works all around the globe and, and so at times differently sort of skilled and differently background um, sort of government side clients. So it was certainly discussed, probably not a, a key theme. I heard him talk one time where someone became somewhat us and themish, yeah, and he's and were condemning even engineers. And his point was, no, 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 that's not the role. It, it, it's a respect. There's a respect there. It's just a, it's a, it's as making sure we cover as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, I would I would say the same was probably true of, of the closing plenary in that um, I, I think the speech is deliberately provocative because it's about trying to energise people. Um, and, and so some people take some time to process that and, and perhaps some of that provocation is not always received depending on your personal style, the, the best way. Um, so it, it, it definitely needs to not be us and them and I think I think that is Brent's key message um, but, but sometimes the provocation maybe <laughs> it, it puts people off a little bit, yeah. But your point is it must take time. We, yeah. We're not going to resolve it overnight. Yeah, I think so, and I, and I suppose that's that's true. We can see that in the IT's journey, which is is you know we've been talking for a long time about um, about becoming a community of transportation professionals, and and that that has to move with the time that it takes to get people on board and understanding and and appreciative of the value of doing that, rather than rushing out and, and sort of changing our constitution and changing our name in, in a week and hoping people catch up. I love the notion of purely judging people on their contribution and their input. There would have been a lot of men there. Yeah, uh, it was, it was uh, particularly in the plenary sessions looking at a, around a very big room. Um, 
they were predominantly men and, and most people were probably older than, than myself um, and, and that's probably indicative of the transport industry generally. Mm. Um, but I was really pleased that the conference program and the conference attendees um, I think is increasing in terms of its representation of younger people and of female professionals and there were actually some key sessions that were targeted around those topics which was really, really pleasing um, and we had some really uh, open and I think constructive and productive discussion around those topics which was um, not just women sitting around sort of talking about that but, but attended by all people from the conference, men and, and all ages. I hope we get to the stage where it is irrelevant what your gender or your age happens yeah. to be. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that was a that was a nice theme running through the conference of acknowledgement that we would like to get to that point and um, and to, to try and specifically discuss and share some of the, the challenges specific to a transport um, industry and to, to try and share how we might work through those uh, and to just acknowledge and spend some time discussing them I think is really valuable. You will report back to ITE here in Australia? Yeah, yeah. I've drafted a, a sort of a, a summary note which picks up it was really difficult to I say it was short and then up five pages and I tried to keep it to one page um, but there was just so much I wanted to capture so um, I sort of initially put down on paper some thoughts and some findings and tried to report back on the, the key um, themes that I really went to try and pick up on which were uh, young professionals women in transport um, and connecting generally with ITE globally um, a lot of those prompted suggestions, potential actions for us, potential um, ideas, programs, uh, topics that we could try and cover. So the next step is to try and work out a plan to, to implement those and to keep them live. You do a lot of modelling of pedestrians. Is that just origin destination? Has it become more complex than that? Yeah, it's a pretty complex topic and it's probably why I found the, the move. So my background was in um, civil engineering and highway design and then I mentioned I spent some time overseas and that was a move into to transport planning and specifically pedestrian planning and modelling. And perhaps what I found so attractive about that space was the um, complexity and the, I guess, ambiguity and unknown around um, the behavioural side of people movement and um, being able to, to sort of bring an engineering discipline and a modelling discipline um, and also some behavioural thinking and... Uh, trying to, to sort of be comfortable with the unknown. So um, it is very much about thinking about uh, preference and options and mm. um, ranges and uncertainty, mm. uh, which is, is, yeah, a really enjoyable space to work Highway design often is assume you have roads and cars going in that direction and going in that direction, whereas, of course, now there's a whole approach that of pedestrians as to why they walk and how they walk as well as perhaps if there is still the engineering thing of efficiencies of getting them to go in a manner that is efficient yeah it's a real it's a real balance um so sometimes I've, I've done some work in sporting event contexts and that's an interesting balance of actually trying to perhaps reduce efficiency in some spaces because if everybody exits the stadium and they all want to go to the station at the same time and they all get there at the same time, then that's too much stress for some infrastructure that's not necessarily designed to, to cope with that pulse of activity. So sometimes um, the modelling and the design aspects are around how do we actually slow these people down and help them engage with the place that they're in um, so that we, we get a better infrastructure utilisation and we get a, a better experience outcome for those people and we also offer a better sort of placemaking outcome too. Placemaking is becoming a very big issue. It is, yeah. Um, how, so, how does that reflect in your work? Yeah, um, I suppose it is around um, the concept of, of 
of attractive um, th- things to engage in that are attractive to people moving through spaces that help them stop and slow and uh, and and um, be part of a place. And so the sporting context is a good one. So that might be around sort of entertainment after a sporting event. Um, you know, food and beverage, all sorts of things that, that just uh, are, are not sort of tokenistic but meaningful and, and that, that help people stay and, and engage and, and sort of slow. Um, a lot of the... As part of travelling over to, to Canada, I went to a few different cities before and after and I was really interested to see um, in, I suppose, comparing a city like New York where there's lots to engage with on the street um, and actually a lot of effort to, to sort of make those streets stickier and to, to help keep people there and engaged and present in the good weather where, when I was there. And Banff I, I also went to afterwards and, and that's a city that is... Um, trialling things like giving up car spaces to block off um, just public seating and outdoor sort of terraces to help keep people on these streets rather than walking through them and uh, initially local businesses in in Banff in the trial area were quite nervous I understand about sort of are we going to lose our car spaces and what are we going to do if people can't park outside my cafe and actually they've seen that their their sort of patronage and their turnover is much higher because people are recognising that these are places where they can stop and wait and engage and be part of, of the street and uh, and the trial's been very successful. In fact, if you encourage bicycle riding, you get more hungry and thirsty yeah. riding a bike. <laughs> Good point, yes, yeah, very much so. Especially if it's one of those slow, slow uh, sort of city bikes or, yeah. or otherwise where you've really got to push hard as you pedal. <laughs> yeah. Which is part of an understanding of... Humanity of, of you know of that sort of action rather than just a flow of, of vehicles or people down a corridor. Yeah, it's a really great example of um, the need to to be integrated in the way that we're planning and to, mm. to challenge the way that uh, that we design to make sure we think about how people are feeling and what their options are and what they might want mm. to do on a particular day. Mm. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That was Sam Linky, the technical leader of transport modelling at the consulting firm Jacobs who recently travelled overseas on an ITE, Australia and New Zealand, Worldwide Learning Opportunities Program, supported by Oz Traffic.